Hi, you're tuning into New Life Vietnam. Today's message by Pastor Love is SOS from James chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. How's everyone doing? Doing good? Uh, today will be um, just to wrap you up. Uh, I will share the last two verses of the book of James. Oh, we have the Ignite right? We have Ignite and the Sunday School. Oh, by the way, this is the last uh, class for the Sunday School and the Ignite as next week will be school break, holiday for most international school. Some of the family flying out, so I uh, just pray for the uh, coaches, igniting classes and Sunday School classes. Lord Jesus, Lord, you will bless the children and the teachers and the teen as they learn your word, Lord. Uh, Lord, as a parent, be able to sit here, Lord, enjoy the messes, Lord. They be able to learn the words down there so that when they come home, Lord, there can be some discussion between parents and children. And Lord, as the earliest that they can discuss about spiritual matter the better to have spiritual formation in their life. May you bless the teachers, the children, and even the parents when they go back home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to share very brief just the last two verses of the book of James in chapter 5. So uh, we're coming to an end of uh, the book of James. And uh, after my sharing, by way of summary, uh, that I kind of, um, you know, the, the analogy is like you have a fabric, right? If whether it's white or black or blue, whatever the color that you have, there will be, a, I want to um, put a, a running uh, red thread throughout the whole fabric to see God, that every part of a chapter. So that helped us kind of, you know, uh, get a big picture from the book of James because we, be we began uh, chapter 1 early in the year until the end uh, this, uh, this December. So let me read for you the last two verses as the Apostle James that concluding the, his letter to the church. Uh, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back or her back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul or her soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. Here's just one point, one liner for us to kind of uh, capture this essence of these two verses. The next slide. Uh, we talk about, you know, my title is SOS, Save Our Soul, right? This is a message, SOS. Uh, and the next one, Wanderer Needs Help. From a moment in our life, we were once all wanderer. Even the people of God to the wilderness, they are wandering for 40 years. There were a moment in our life that we were wanderer. We wandered away from truth. We didn't know the truth. Even some of you uh, were born in a Christian home. Doesn't mean that you know Christ personally, intimately. This means that you have uh, family, believe, uh, faith, 
But yet still, you need to establish a connection with God because he's got a living God. It's not idol, it's not religion, but relationship. Now, as the Apostle James kind of concludes this uh, chapter, that he kind of reminded the church that every once in a while, you and I were wanderer. We wanted away from truth because unless we are abide in the truth, as John 15, that lies is always our default mode. That's why John 15 said that abide in me, abide in the truth, and I in you. Because, uh, you know, abiding in Christ, take, take faith and, and, and commitment, and not just by autopilot mode. And so... We all, from time to time, will wander from the truth. And the church is here for each of us as the brother and sister in Christ with love, with pure motive. Right? Because the, it's in this, this book also talk about pure motive, wisdom, and to bring someone back to the truth, to Christ. Because our natural tendency is wandering. We come and congregate to Sunday and we say, yes, amen. This is the word of God. This is for me. Amen. Happy, happy, rejoicing. When Monday hit, then everything seemed like we're wandering away from truth. If we do not read the Bible daily. Some of you maybe have a habit, read the Bible only during Christmas. You feel like, you know, spiritual or Easter, or if somebody come up here and say, read the Bible, read the Bible, you feel guilty, you feel shame, you shut your ear and say, no, that's for him, not for her, not for me. We all have that kind of sin, the sin of, you know, delay obedience. Delay obedience is disobedience. Are you still with me? So the Bible here at the end encouraged sister, brother, and sister. You and I are the one <laughs> who can be the wanderer. We need each other. We need to bring our brother and sister, if you know, to bring back to the truth, to bring them back to Jesus. And by that means, if you bring back to the fold, God's flock, to the body of Christ, not bring them back to religion, bring them back to relationship with Jesus Christ. Because soul will be safe. This city is on, I mean, not this city, the whole world is in SOS mode. Help me. Help soul. Save our soul. It's not because someone can save a physical body in the, in the ocean. Yes, that's good. But no medical device, no medicine, no one can save a soul unless they come to Jesus Christ. If you and I have still not been able to grapple that idea, we will live our life business as usual. Everything is fine. Everything is good. I just care about my life. I just care about what I'm going to do here. Listen to your prayer. Write it down to see if it's you. Be honest. It's all about you. <laughs> If you never have a moment to pray for the city, pray for your own city, pray for this city, pray for this nation, pray for this neighboring country, pray for the world. This life is all about yourself. 
And that's not a good starting point. The good starting point is all about Christ. Because remember, we have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And therefore, we live. Therefore, we breathe. Therefore, we do things. Therefore, we, we, we carry our vocation, business, small business, management, job, teacher, factory workers, entrepreneur, architect, medical doctor, nurses. All of that vocation is not about you. It's about using that instrument and vehicle for the kingdom of God to bring someone back to the truth. Wanderers, you and I need help. Those are friend, colleague, the co-worker, whether it's a physical analog uh, you know, neighbor next door or a digital neighbor. Today we have the new term called digital neighbor. I mean, those you have, you know, Facebook connection, you have social media, that's your digital neighbor. Their soul needs to be saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be spread out. Cannot be contained within this four wall. Cannot be contained within the Bible that you open once a while on the bookshelf or this day in your iPhone. If you check your screen time, productivity, is that the Bible app is on 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or half an hour, or other things take hours. Check your screen. If you those who use, use Apple or other phone, I don't know, there's always a screen time. Check what are the things that you read every day. We are surfing the net as we are wandering away from the truth. This day, people work on the net more hours than ever before because we are well-connected but very disconnected with the spiritual realm, very disconnected with the truth. This is a reminder, not a rebuke. It's an encouragement so that we can be aware of our tendency wandering from truth. Are you still with me? Go and tell. Go and tell people about who Jesus is. Go and tell. Go and look at the mirror. Tell yourself who God is. And I want to present to you the running threat of, of the red threat throughout the book of James by God. You know, who God is in the book of James. Okay? The next slide. Number one, God as master. We are his servant. You want to check this. You ask your co-worker, colleague, your neighbor, your friend, hey, buddy, can you tell me if, you know, who is my master? They will tell you. Sometimes it's painful because you say you are the master, not God. We all are servant of God. I'm a servant of God. I just have different role. You have different role. Father, mother, student, manager, engineer. Uh, I'm a pastor. We all have different roles, but our, our identity, we are a Christian Christ follower, and He's our God, and, and, and He is our master. When you make business decisions, you ask yourself, who is the master? Not your CEO, yes, you follow company policy, but certain things cross, not about legal, but whether right and wrong according to the word. Something can be legal, but still deadly wrong according to the word of God. Are you still with me? Can you say to your neighbor, I am a servant of the Lord. 
Number two, God as the generous giver of wisdom. He never forced us to take wisdom. The Bible in the book of Proverbs take wisdom call outs. It's like a person. Come, call outs. It's a relationship. It's never be something, here's the wisdom, take it. So unless you and I ask, we never receive. <laughs> because you know, it's free will. God never say, okay, uh, you need it. I shove the truth in your mouth. No, you ask, you come, you hear, you listen, be attentive. Then you receive wisdom. But he always generous. He will always give us what we ask for in wisdom. Amen? Number three, God is holy. He cannot be tempted, neither he, neither he can be, cannot be tempted or tempt no one. Never say to yourself, say, oh, you know, I'm tempted by God, as in the book of James. Or oh, I'm this situation is tempted by God. I don't know, pastor, just go to work and it happened. I end up in the, in the beer pub with some colleague and then, you know, the girls surrounded me and end up in bed. I'm tempted by God. Uh-oh, no. God never tempted you that. We are all tempted by our sinful desire. Ungodly desire. God is holy. Therefore, we must be holy. Number four. God at transcendent is a big word for say God's from above. Mean out of our earthly framework. His original place, his origin is heavenly. Therefore, we cannot pull God down to compare with earthly things. Neither we can elevate ourselves to the heavenly. We are here, we are his human, created human, and therefore we need to know that he's our above, and that's what we're going to, and that's what we need to seek. His wisdom because He is from on high and we are from below. Are you still with me? Next will be God as the source of every good and perfect gift. If anything that you receive in life is not good and not perfect, is evil because of our own self-making or because all other people sin. Sometimes they, they cause, uh, inf uh, inflict us with their sin. We are victim, we suffer, yes. But every good gift that you and I ask from the Lord, because He's the sort of every good gift and perfect one. So you want a good and perfect gift. Seek Him because He's the ultimate source. Next one. God is a Father of light. Which means there will be no darkness. Next one is connected. It's verse 17. The unchangingly good. No variation, no shadow due to change. He is constant. If anything is variable, it's us. If we talk about life equation, He is the constant. All of our decision and our, our life and circumstances, they are variables. But He is the constant. Unchangingly good. No variation. No, not even a shade of gray. You know? Sometimes Christian that, you know, Yes, they get away from darkness, but they're not fully come to the light. Here's the problem, because they like to play in the gray area. You know the gray area? It's just like, yeah, you know, not right, not wrong, it's just gray. The Bible is not so clear about that, so I can play around this one. Instead of come fully to the light, they like to play in the gray area. Because no one dare to correct them and say, 
Pastor, this is you know, not right or wrong, I just said. You know, who are you to tell me this is wrong? Yeah, it's not wrong, not right, but it's gray. When those you are walking too much of gray area, you would like to turn dark gray and slowly to be black. You understand what I'm trying to say? Next, God is Savior and Creator. He brought us forth to the word of truth. Even His word that caused the whole cosmic creation, the creation of the whole world, let there be light, there must be light. So God simply speaks. And things come to pass. The whole creation, including us, he simply spoke. And we came about human being. That's powerful because he is the creator. He is savior, recreator. Meaning like after the fall of, of, of us, Adam, the fall at the Genesis 3, that Christ came to become a new Adam or the last Adam to restore humanity through Christ. So that he brought us by the truth. The word became flesh in John 1. Next, God as creator, obviously, his, cre his creation. Now, this is the kind of uh, a threat of chapter 1. Next one, I would like to invite Simon uh, to come to share what God you know, spoke to him through uh, the book of James and he picked uh, chapter 1. So if Simon, you're here, uh, please uh, give uh, Simon a good uh, round of applause and just encourage him to come and share with us. Good morning, church. Good morning. Konnichiwa. <laughs> it is Japanese, so uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous about that. Because uh, let me introduce myself first before uh, sharing my reflection of Book of James chapter three, chapter one. Yeah, I'm Simon, and I'm from Japan, and I uh, I work in Japanese school in here, and uh, I was born in Christian family, and I believed Jesus Christ when I was around five years old, and uh, I baptized when I was 13. Yeah. <coughs> and my favorite Vietnamese, Vietnam food is pho bò. <laughs> is it correct? Is correct pronunciation? Pho <laughs> bò, pho bò. And snails. That uh, recommended me from uh, Logan. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, my English is not good, so please listen with an open mind. And... Uh, Bible said, uh, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So please do not be anger by my <laughs> English. Yeah. yeah. Let me share my reflections of the book of James, especially, especially the verse 21 to 22. That said, receive word with meekness, and but uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves <coughs> if anyone is a only hearer and not not be a, not be a doer he cannot be blessed by god <coughs> i read i read these words and thought about myself 
could I hear was with meekness and he and be dual? I often watch uh, animal videos in YouTube on YouTube or sleep in my free time, and I mean that I didn't prepare for be good healer and doer of God, God, uh, God's word. And generally, it's normal. But Bible Bible said like whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So I started play for to be more good healer and doer today more than yesterday. Yeah. By the way, uh, I received a shocking messages from my parents on Saturday morning. Uh, it was a message uh, informing me that my grandfather had passed away. Uh, he was a Buddhist. But my family and me has preached the gospel to him many times. And I don't know if he is Christian or he is not. But my family taught him the gospel until his lost breath. <coughs> so if you're okay, please please pray that I want I will meet him again in heaven someday. I consider about this event as a trial from God. My grandfather was fine before I came here, came to Vietnam. <coughs> and, uh, but I don't know when he died and when I die. <coughs> so I would like to be more, uh, I would like to be uh, Follower of God's word day by day. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. So, your grandpa just passed away Saturday, right? I mean, yesterday. Uh, this Friday. Yeah, last Friday. Yeah. Okay. I uh, just want to pray quickly for you. And if any one of you have sad news or something you'd like to share, you can share with me in the channel. I don't want you to journey to sadness lonely. That's all. If you feel, uh, you know, uncomfortable, or insensitive, don't want to share, that's fine. But I'm just open the channel for any one of us to share. Just pray for. Lord, just pray for Simon and the family back home as they attempted to share the good news to the grandpa. We don't know condition. We cannot conclude anything. We cannot assume anything. But Lord, I beg for your mercy that be merciful to him, to his soul and to grant grace to the family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, next slide will be chapter 2. I will summarize chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, uh, God is choosing the poor to be rich in faith. Which means the context in the book of James is like rich or poor, you know, in terms of, of money, in terms of finance. It doesn't matter in the kingdom of God because God will treat them the same. Love them the same. And in fact, he will choose the poor to be rich in his faith, in the faith in him and the blessing that he will pour out to the poor. 
And uh, the, the Israelite is not the richest nation at that time. It, it was Egypt. It was other powerful nation, not Israel. Small, tiny little, you know, group of people. And, you know, but be able to receive a tremendous blessing. And even today, the descendant, the Jew, for whatever reason, that whether they believe in the Messiah yet or not, whether the Messianic Jew or non-Messianic Jew, uh, you know that they have advanced in, in science and all of the financial world, all the businesses. We pray, that's a, the attempt of all the Christians to pray for the Jew to returning because that their roots, it just need to know Jesus. And so uh, the next one will be God promising the kingdom of those who love him. And this is a promise of God. That, that, that you and I will live in his kingdom. Which he is a king. He rules and reigns. And if a good king will always take care for his, uh, his people, provide protection, you don't know. I mean, think of the king that prevent from the, the, the army to invasion uh, and then provide provision and then care and the system. Like you, some of you that live in a good, you know, well-developed country, that you see the welfare, you see, you know, the infrastructure. And this is why sometimes, like, you know, uh, and that's like developing country like Vietnam, people run away from this country to well-developed country for that very reason. Sometimes for job, sometimes for security, sometimes for other means. But if you are Christian in Christ, wherever you live, that the Lord will provide and protect for you. But the problem is sometimes we compare. But comparison get, get us nowhere. It only get us envy, jealousy. And that's why as a Christ that God promised you the kingdom and those who love him. And you will have enough. And all of us, by the time that you sit here already or watching live stream, you would have a laptop already. You know, you have a good provision already. Because food, water, shelter, that's the necessity of life. If you have beyond than that, it's all wants. The basic need of humanity is just that. Basically, the ultimate real need is love, <laughs> the love from God. Because people can have, have, have food, water, and shelter. They still feel empty inside. The only God can provide that. Next one. God is a lawgiver and a judge. So in this context, do not judge others. Because if you judge others, you become the judge. And you will become lawgiver. And the Bible in this text said that he's the only lawgiver and the only judge. So leave room for God's judgment. Whatever that happened to you, whatever that you mis be mistreated at mistreated in your workplace or, or, or at home or back home or sibling, you, you feel unfair, you feel this life is so injustice and you want to go on the street for so, so justice, just pause and think about that. Because if you go on the street for that social justice, exactly the same that those people cry out, crucify, crucify, and they put Christ to the cross. Because the injustice was done at the cross. That's why the way to redeem injustice is that to the cross. Not to social power. Not to all kind of political mob power and then money power. It's only be done at the cross. And so God is a lawgiver and a judge. Next one. God as one. Uh, big word monotheism there. You know, even though that we said God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're not worshiping three gods. We're worshiping one God, three distinct equal person. How's that going to work? I don't know. Difficult to explain the Trinity, the triune nature of God. Because God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray to the God the Father, we pray to the Son. We ask the, the, the Holy Spirit, we ask Jesus. There will be a slightly on the verge of, 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 of 
cult and when someone say, uh, you know, what happened? And I just someone say, Pastor, I pray to the Father for this one. I pray for Jesus for this one. And I pray for the Holy Spirit for this one. I say, what is that? Because it looks like there's three different gods, and that is, is not biblical, you know, idea. It's not biblical theology because that's somebody who pantheism. They can add many other gods. Jesus is good at it here. You know, uh, other people are good at it on the altar. You know, my ancestor also good on the altar. You know, Victor Hugo is good at the altar. You know, some of you that know what I'm talking about. Oh, Ma Mary, Mary is good also on the altar. I worship all the gods just in case I will not miss out. Four more. Four more. Fear of missing out. God is one. We just need to know one God. God. And that's three distinct equal persons. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are equal distinct person, not manifestation, person. Very important. Notice that. Notice that. Next one. God is the proper object of our faith, which means that He's the only person that we can trust and believe Him. No one else. Many people can say, I have faith. They have faith in themselves. They have faith in their career. They have faith in other God. They have faith in mountain. They can have faith in all sorts of of things but he is the only one that we can have faith in I trust my wife but I have faith in Jesus that's how it works that's why the marriage should be strong because both of us have faith in Christ so some of the young girls and don't believe in the guy say you know you are my everything I have faith in you I trust you don't don't be fooled by that if the young the guy is not put his faith in Jesus after the marriage, he's not going to take care of you because he has faith in, in you. And then when you're good enough, then, you know, then he still has faith. Otherwise, he can just move to a different person they can have faith in. So don't be fooled by that. Pay attention. Watch out. Observe. Young lady, observe the guy. You see, he really the lovers of God. He really believe in Jesus. Oh, he's just saved. Okay. Next. Oh, next, Matthew. Yes, Matthew is going to share a short portion of James. Welcome, Matthew. Uh, okay, so I am a bit nervous, so I'll start off with a very quick joke. Uh, so if you guys want to have an ark built, I know a guy. Okay, so I'm looking at James 2, 20 to 24. And the reason why I chose this verse was because I always kept getting confused every time. Like faith and works, faith alone, faith plus works. Like, what is a strange thing, you know? So, especially getting confused with something like Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Uh, so, this is in a way a good way to challenge myself to understanding this. So why does Paul say this in verse 20, first of all? You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? It's a very bold statement by him. So, so first, we, can, we have to define deeds as, the definition of deeds as the act of performing an action. So the actions in this case are the actions of your faith and not the faith of your works because that is dead. Pastor loves emphasizing that point, you know. Faith alone is what saves you. But I always got confused by that. What did he mean? And then James goes on to talk about Abraham. And it's a great example that he uses Abraham before the following. 
E, let me see. Uh, he talks about Abraham as an example with faith and deeds, but why that? Well, it's simply because he had the faith already. So where do the works come in here? If you have the faith, how do you show the works? It's not like you need to, you actually don't need to show your works to prove your faith. In fact, what Abraham did was he followed God, even though what most people would think at the time would be something crazy. Come on, you want to bring your son up to the mountain to show your faith? Like, that's quite wild, even for me when reading that. But even in the end, the angel stopped him. It was already proof of his faith. He was showing by doing, by following what God told him to do was proof of his faith. So simply because of that, he did not need to, he didn't bring the son, bring his son to show his faith. He already had it. So therefore doing it was proving that. So my takeaway from this is that before we even start trying to prove ourselves of our faith, it doesn't matter how many good works you do. God doesn't judge you by that at the end of the day. It's always your spirit that's judged, right? Everybody can agree with me on that one? Yeah. So the takeaway is you need to start with a strong faith first. Once you have a strong and grounded faith, just like if you're building, just like in architecture, you know, if you don't have like a strong foundation, whole building is going to fall, you know. So get a strong, have a strong and grounded faith. And it can be helped. You can do it through so many ways. It's not just through reading the Bible and prayer. Even in this church, you guys can, we have all our small groups. We can understand. We can learn together. Have a few friends. You can always talk about the Bible. It's all about that foundation. Once you get the foundation, well, your building will never fall. Because it's always with, it's because it's always leaning unto the Lord. Amen? Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, coaching moment for Matt. Um, that uh, the next time you're nervous, you can pray because you share a joke. I'm nervous. You know, <laughs> I don't know where the joke goes, right? And so uh, that's out script, out of script. Okay, but praise the Lord. Okay. So next time you're nervous, just pray. Okay, and that's biblical too. Okay, the Bible says, "Say not when you're nervous, tell a joke." That's not the Bible, but that's a coaching moment. We love you. I love you, right, Matt? You know. Um, okay, God, James, number three. Uh, God is worthy of blessing. <laughs> worthy of blessing. Uh, that is, uh, what does it mean? Can, can someone just go to uh, verse three at night and then it's maybe clearer? Let me read for us here. Um, three, nine. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, mean with the tongue. <laughs> and with we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Meaning the tongue that God gave us, this little organ, is like a rudder. A rudder of the whole big ship and just steer right, the whole ship steer right. So with this tongue, we can do two things. Either bless the Lord or curse His people or even curse the Lord. Cursing as well. So this uh, piece of, of weapon, I mean, because it's supposed to be spiritual weapon, you can declare the good news of the Lord, or you can really curse someone. You can bring the blessing of the Lord to someone by saying, speaking, encouraging the word of the Lord to someone, or really bring someone down, and even bring the whole nation down. 
And that happened in the cyberspace. That happened in, the, you know, there's some businesses uh, that 100 years of family because of the word of some people that spread out rumor and with uh, all of the things, the whole shop closed. And, and this day, with the weapon of, of cyber, of, of online, that spread out so fast with a split of a second from one continent to another, and it can bring down even the whole nation. And it's easy to bring down the whole family. So we have to be very careful with this very powerful weapon. The weapon to bless the Lord or to curse his people. And if this one to be used by the Lord, he is worthy of our blessing. We need to bless other instead of curse. Because as we're being blessed, we become a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next. God as the creator of human and his image. This is foundational. I assume you all know that. The next one. Uh, sharing. Edgar. Okay. Are you nervous, Edgar? Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Morning, saints. Um, I was given the privilege to share with you um, what I learned from James 3. Um, and I chose the latter part of um, chapter 3, uh, which talks about wisdom uh, as our if you will, slogan for this year is um, heavenly wisdom for earthly living. I thought it would only be fitting to talk about that as well. Um, so first of all, what is wisdom? Um, wisdom, unlike knowledge, is not something that you can open a textbook and learn and pass an exam and stuff. Uh, in analogy, maybe wisdom is not uh, a gate that you enter through and suddenly you're wise and stuff, but it's more like um, a path in life, right? You you walk a left step, then right foot, then left foot again and stuff. Um, it's being constantly connected with a word, fellowshipping with um, fellow saints as well. Uh, that's what leads to wisdom. Um, and then here James tells us to sort of evaluate uh, or assess uh, wisdom. And just like many things that we can, um, we can see how someone is, we, we assess things by, f by its fruit. We assess the tree by its fruit. Here also... Wisdom is not actually assessed by the knowledge of verses that you can recall some verses and stuff, but it's by your conduct. And um, here he says that um, sort of like earthly, sort of earthly wisdom is, you know, leads to jealousy, uh, contention, um, you know, uh, talks about unspiritual things and stuff as well. Um, and then a true wisdom actually leads to Good things like peace, uh, peace loving, being gentle, being full of compassion as well. So the kind of first thing that I learned this year was to be truthful to yourself as well. Um, you know, because truth sets you free. So to assess yourself first and to see where you actually are um, against the wo word of God, reading the word of God daily and being edified by the word, being part of this church as well. Um, not just put a sort of fake mascara on a Sunday and stuff, but to be truthful and real. Uh, I love the fact that Pastor encourages us to be like that. We're not coming here to be perfect. Uh, it's being stressed that uh, this place is a, more like a hospital, not a place where perfect Christians come and pretend for one day and then return back to normal life on a Monday. Um, it's also assessing ourselves when we're in a workplace, how we treat our fellow co-workers, how we are on the street when you ride a motorbike and stuff, and someone cuts in front of you and stuff. So all of those things are sort of 
ability to assess yourself. And from then on, we can then move on and say, if we, we, if we realize that we lack in wisdom, that our conduct is not the right way. Um, obviously, James 1 talks about asking to God for wisdom. And I don't believe that suddenly a lightning strikes and you become wise and stuff, but still it's a walk. Um, and again, walking in a word of God, walking with a fellow uh, saints as well. And um, the last thing I just want to stress is why wisdom is important as well. If you notice kind of attributes that wisdom brings, it's um, peace loving, being gentle, um, being full of compassion. So all of these virtues are not for yourself. It's, it doesn't bring only value to yourself, but it's communal. It's, it brings something good for the rest of the congregation in a church. It brings goodness to your fellow co-workers, to the city as well. Uh, so just my invitation to you, fellow saints, is assess yourselves and let's pursue wisdom because wisdom is not just for ourselves, but wisdom is for our fellow believers as well and everyone else. Thank you so much. That's the end. Thank you. At, with all thy get, get wisdom, get understanding. Wisdom is supreme. And the, uh, the full manifestation and embodiment of wisdom is in the person of Jesus Christ. So Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, most of it. And then Jesus Christ that, you know, is way better, wiser than Solomon that, that, that he stated that. Some, someone is here is wiser than Solomon. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Chapter 4. Uh, God is jealous and wrathful, um, and uh, some of some of us thinking, you know, God is kind of easygoing. He's just standing there, and you know, He loves us so much unconditionally, and we can run away from you know from Him. You know, thinking about uh, you know a, a love relationship. Oh, I can uh, you know uh, He is my God. You know, talk about the church, and you know, He's the 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 uh, the the, uh, the groom, and we are the bride, and He's our husband. Oh yeah, one night I can go to with date another girl, and you know with another girl, and the next year I go to this uh, idol worship, uh, idol worship, and you know I go uh, in the Old Testament. You see all idolatry. Idolatry is the root the root problem of, of all the evil and wickedness. So you see the idolatry will always lead to sexual immorality. And what we see in the, the society today, sexual immorality, is that's not the root. The root is idolatry. Because people who sell their body for money because idolatry. People who use money to buy entertainment sex, that's idolatry. So as always, idolatry leads to sexual immorality. And sexual immorality leads to injustices that we see today. Human trafficking is injustice. Why? Because demand supply. You know, the human trafficking is big, 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 big. All the effort of NGO, all the money poured out into this, you know, stop human trafficking is almost like impossible. Why? Because involve money, power, gangster, weapon, army, black market. So they transfer, so Asia become the supplies. I mean, this is not news already. The West becomes consumer. Okay? So human trafficking is start with idolatry. It's right in our heart, right in our soul, right in our family. God is wrathful and jealous because you're going to love another lover. God is jealous. 
We see that in the Bible. It's not like, yeah, you know, I love you, come back anytime. That's why marriage is a holy marital covenant. It's not a joke. It's not something to play about. Because it's required commitment. Like God made a covenant with us through Christ Jesus by his blood. So he is jealous and wrathful. If every day you look at your calendar 24 hours and you don't spend about 5, 10, 15, an hour, a minute with the lover of his soul, he's jealous, wrathful. If you're married and then you never talk to your spouse, that's not marriage. It's just an illegal contract for something I don't know. So that's why I encourage, if you marry husband and wife for a short period of time, one month, two months, three months, for whatever the reason, logistical, financial, you cannot stay away from each other so long. God made us marriage as a husband or in person. I mean, the pandemic kind of stopped that for at least two years, but do not prolong that. Whatever reason. If you're married, you need to stay together. Because you, can't, you don't know what is your spouse doing under one because it's jealous and dreadful. Where are you going? And then you learn, begin to check and control each other. Where are you going? Can I check your phone? Can I check this? Love and marriage, the same with God, is trust, relationship, commitment. If you cannot find that in the marriage, it is hard to understand the commitment that we need to, to God. We are called to be the lovers of God. Therefore, we must be wrathful and jealous when we worship other things. Are you still with me? Amen. Next one. God is gracious as well. When we sin, His grace is sufficient for us. That's a beautiful part of the gospel. The gospel, the essence of the gospel is we are saved by His grace because of our faith in Him. Grace is easy to say it, but very hard to really understand and live it out. If you receive grace, be gracious to others. The minute that you see someone not gracious to others because they have not received in the first place, that's why they're so harsh on others. Grace does not mean that we look away, away from sin, but we accept the person, that person repent, and we welcome back. Exactly what God did to us. You are a sinner, but you repented, you come back. I welcome you as a son and daughter right on the table, put the rope around you, the, the, the bell, sit you, dine with you, fellowship with you. That's exactly what Jesus did to us, all sinner. Amen? Next, God is personal. Some of us born in a Christian home, we think that, oh, my dad, my great-uncle missionary, my great-great-great-great-father, they're all good, you know, don't worry, pastor, I'm spiritually good. Not that fast, because God is personal. If you and I do not have a personal relationship with God, there's no relationship. There, we, we meet in the church as a communal, as a corporate, as a community, but God must be our personal God. You talk to Him like your personal friend, dear, good friend. Therefore, you don't need to go to the mediator, talk to others, talk direct to Him. 
because the curtain has been removed, been torn, and that you and I can enter the Holy of Holy and can really connect with Him. It's only Jesus going to be the high priest. Jesus is going to be the mediator because when we pray with Him, that He will bring to the Father, that, that yes, but no other than Jesus. And the Holy Spirit also, the inter, uh, intercessor, and He intercedes and He prays for us and, and, and bring us, point us back to Jesus Christ. Some of you say, oh, I have the Holy Spirit. The question you ask, is He pointing back you to Jesus? If He's pointing back you to something else, that's not the Holy Spirit. There's something else. In order to know if someone to be filled with the Spirit, you need to see a tangible, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Easy to check. Next one. God is demanding moral purity. Moral purity. This is something that the big thing in our day today. Moral decay is rampant. Online, offline, everywhere. I mean, we talk, I'm Vietnamese. Talk about just Vietnamese society. Moral decay now compared to 30 years ago is, is really at the almost as at the bottom, the valley of death. You know, easy that the, the husband married, got few concubines, and then a, a kid, the father kills son, and for, you know, few million dong, and, and you know, all this stuff. And vices, this, I'm, I'm, because the Vietnamese just speaking of Vietnam, but you can have your own story in your own country. We are living in any given in history. Uh, in time of human history, we are living in a wicked generation. Wicked beginning with the thoughts, the mind. You know, uh, the woman become the, 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 the object of man's satisfaction. You know, some people look at, at uh, FTV, fashion TV, and think that is cool. It's basically exposing the nakedness of a woman where's God's glory and honor there for the intended entertainment of man's. Business, industry, entertainment, it just put women on the same category as commodity. And of course, the consumer turned themselves as the commodity too, which means men. Men fail. Society fail. So ladies, you don't need to be a feminist. You just need to be a godly woman. And then, God will bring you a godly man. God demands moral purity. If you look something that is filthy, repent. Because it contaminates your soul. Do not linger over it. Gentlemen, those who are married, if you walk on the street and somebody is, is you know, appear to be sensual and sexy, do not look twice. Get your eyes away. That the book of Job, you made covenant with his eye. You made your covenant with eye. The God I see, God see. Moral purity begins with the eyes, the ear, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Next one. God as lawgiver and the judge. This is repeated. Just kind of remind the church there. Chapter 3, uh, chapter 2, I already talked about it, and I repeat it again so that you can remember. Next one, God as a sovereign king controlling history according to his will. We think, wow, this, you know, the whole world is running crazy, but God is still in control. He just, he, he knows everything. We don't know everything. That's why we have to trust him, that the outcome will be his desire. Whatever the human try to play, he's sovereign. He's like the, the conductor, he will orchestrate. 
things, both the universe and also things on earth. Amen? Next one. Oh, yes, we have uh, Sister Crystal come to share with us one portion of chapter 4. Please welcome Crystal. Okay, good morning, everybody. For those who don't know me, my name is Crystal and I am from South Africa. So you can hear a thread in James 1 and 2 and 3. It was so fun and Pastor, when he gave the summary, he was so happy and smiling. And then he came to James 4 and he's like, God is wrathful. And I was like, so actually I wanted to share from James chapter 1 because James chapter 1 happened, verse 19 happens to be my favorite verse. But when I came to this church, Pastor was already in James chapter 4. So I was like, Ugh. And also, I didn't want to make this reflection very personal. I wanted it to just be like, you know, theoretical, theological, like this is what God says and this is what we need to do. But God had other plans. So I became a Christian when I was very young. But then when I moved to Vietnam this year, you know, I struggled because it was so lonely. It felt more lonely than anything else. Like, I felt so lost and I felt forgotten. And I'm like, it's okay to be lonely as a Christian. You know, loneliness is normal. Loneliness is fine. There's nothing wrong with loneliness. And then Pastor shared a message on the 2nd of October called An Enemy of God. And as a Christian who's been on the road a long time, I'm like, I'm not an enemy of God. Like, God loves me. I'm a friend of God. The Bible says... God calls me his friend. And then Pastor explained what it means to be an enemy of God. And Pastor said, if you are friends with, or Pastor says, and the James says, if you are friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. And I was like, I'm not friends with the world. But then Pastor expounded on what it means to be friends with the world. And Pastor loves this analogy of going to the bar, going to the club. And he specifically said, when you go to the bar with your friends, are you going to have milk? No. And I sat there and I'm like, Lord, I've been a Christian for more than 20 years. I'm not an enemy of God. And as pastor spoke more and more time, I was too proud to admit that actually I'm an enemy of God. Like it took me that message to accept and realize that I'm an enemy of God. And that cut so deep for someone who had claimed to love God and was on fire for God. I mean, my whole life, I loved God. And then I realized that I was an enemy of God. And then I was like, okay, good. Next week, Pastor's going to bring this great message, and it's going to build me back up, and it's going to be encouraging. And then on the 9th of October, Pastor spoke a message about submission. <laughs> Thanks, God. What a sense of humor. And let me tell you, for those who know me and hear me, nobody will describe me as humble or liking to submit. I don't like to submit. I don't. Like if somebody says, Crystal, I want you to do this, let me tell you, I will fight until that person says, okay, we can do it your way. So I don't want to submit. But in James 4 verse 7, we are called to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from us. Great. So now, not only was, an en was I an enemy of God, 
But I have to submit, which I don't like to do. And then in that message about submission, Pastor specifically spoke about loneliness. Like he addressed loneliness. And I'm like, Lord, why? Does he know, does he know that's my struggle? And Pastor mentioned the foundations class, which, by the way, I attended. And he spoke about fellowship. And I was like, Lord, I'm super loud. I'm an extrovert. Like, I'm fellowshipping with people. But I realized that actually I wasn't making every effort. And the friends that I had in the world, they would go to the, to the bar and to the club. And I would go and I would come to church the next Sunday and I would feel guilty. Because I would do all these things. I wouldn't choose milk. I wouldn't be strong enough, but I would come the Sunday and then pastor would preach the message. And still today, whatever I do on a Saturday and the rest of the week, on a Sunday, you better bet that God is targeting. God is watching me for the rest of the time. And there was something that pastor said. He said, let your calendar reflect your love for God. And let me tell you, I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect person and nobody is. But there is so much encouragement that we get when pastor brings the messages. And in James 4, it's, it's filled with harsh words and words, but it's filled with wrath that comes from love. God loves us so much. And from James chapter 4, it continues to be my personal struggle that I have to face every single day to make my choice for God. Even though I'm a Christian, even though I love God, even though I want to live for God, I also have struggles, loneliness. I also have struggles where I'm waiting on God for certain things. But let me encourage you that every time that Pastor Lapp opens his mouth to share God's word, don't take it as negative or take it as a personal attack on you like I was doing. Take it as a place of love. God has called Pastor Lapp and Sister Hua and their family to lead this church. And he has a huge responsibility. So Pastor Lapp, Sister Hua, I want to say thank you. God is really calling out things in my life and addressing it. And I also want to thank everybody in the church, Braveheart, and the rest of the people in the church for really helping me to overcome that loneliness and for really accepting this weird, crazy South African girl that speaks her mind, speaks loudly. And for this James chapter 4, Pastor, I can't say that I fully accepted it or loved it, but I'm getting there. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Christo. Can we have a benediction now? Let's just go home. I feel so feel. Praise the Lord. Wow, that's a very encouraging um, sharing. Wow, I think God's know, um, you know, a good plan for you because he prepare you. Prepare you for family. And submission is one of the big parts, right? And so I think I pray that the Lord, if the Lord will for you here, he will bring someone here for you to learn to submit. But you only submit to the godly one, right? Do not submit to the ungodly. That's why take time. Do not rush. And just enjoy the friendship, the courtship. The, the, the marriage will come later. May the Lord uh, keep you and bless you, Crystal. Amen. All right. The last chapter, chapter 5. So we're going to bit, uh, um, a bit of time. But we're going to come, sh uh, you know, the one more sharing. God as the avenger of his people. For some of you are the fan of marvels. You like the avengers. <laughs> God is not enough like that, guys. <laughs> he's the avenger. You mean like he's the one, he both the lawgiver and the judge, the avenger. The avenger, the idea is this, that if someone hurt his people and attack 
you know, in the nation of Israel, in the Old Testament, he's the one that avenged. And that's what we always say in the Old Testament, the vengeance is mine, the vengeance is mine, the vengeance is mine. Mean like, live it for me. Because the minute that you can avenge in your own term, you become the wicked. It's, it's very uh, tricky. Because like, Lord, but they, they did this to us, they did this to us, they took our land, they do kill our children, so we kind of retaliate, they know the vengeance is mine. And so when Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled that sentence. The vengeance is mine. So he let the Jewish court, the very people that he come to save, prosecuted him and convicted guilty. Window has sinned zero, nothing. And then at the night trial court, they want to done it quick. And then they cannot execute and bring capital punishment. They move to the day court, which is Roman under the Roman uh, regime. And so they even Pilate say, I found nothing on this uh, man. Uh, but because of political power play, because if he make decisions like that, there will be more power, there will be people on the street, and they're afraid of, because they still uh, you know, rule and reign over the, uh, the big part of, of Israel at that time. And so they say, okay, let the mob have their say. And so, okay, bring out. So we have a tradition, bring out one criminal and let the other go. Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And the, the Roman is no, Barabbas is the insurrectionist, which means a criminal in the Roman law, but they release him. And everybody say, What do you want to do with Jesus? Crucify, crucify. The same people just sang Hosanna on the street when he go to the temple, Jerusalem. The same people put the leaf on that. We can be the one worshiper on Sunday, but crucify Jesus on weekday. But he's the avenger. People mean that this is the vengeance is mine. Do not retaliate. Do not, you know, uh, uh, people in your workplace and the people, even, even the wicked on this planet Earth, you can, you can pray for them. Some of you have uh, been politicized for so long. And, 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 you know, if you are from the West, that, you know, much of the West now, you know, well, we condemn what, you know, Russia did. But does it mean Russian people could be condemned? You understand what I'm saying? Pray for them. Because the vengeance is his, not ours. Next slide. As punishing the wicked. He's the one who punished it, not us. See Pharaoh, see the Persian king, see the Babylonian king. He did it. Well, he used the, the Israel, okay, go and then fight. And sometimes just very funny, like just circle around Jericho and then the wall, you know, fell down. So you know that I'm powerful. You don't need to use weapon. You don't need to use anything, you know, the, the catapult, you know, put in. You don't need technology. Just go seven times, pray and shout, and then done. Sometimes like that. A lot of Jericho, sin of Jericho, the bondage, the fortress of our sin, sometimes we just need a lot of prayer. So if you do not share, nobody would like to pray for you. I don't nobody know, even including me. I just realized that sometimes to share something to be prayed for, it's just, uh, you know, require a lot of humility. Because you feel like, uh, I'm so weak, this is nothing, you know, compared to other problems. I just lose my job, but other people have lose big time. Or, you know, I, I, I don't want to pray for, you know, tiny bits and mundane things. Well, the Lord cares. We care. So if you don't want to open to prayer, that's okay. But I'm just saying that to ask for prayer requires a lot of humility. Next, God is as knowing of our actions. He knows every action that we committed from the thought to the action. Next, 
God as Lord of army and warrior. So in this uh, kind of metaphor, because he always fight for us, you know, that's a song that he always fight for us, right? Because we don't need to fight. We just have to obey, trust him, and he will fight for us. We see that in the whole, uh, you know, the, the, the war time with the Israel ordination in, 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 in Old Testament. And even to the New Testament, that in the next year we're going to study the book of Acts. We see that God used his people to bring the, the gospel and people, you know, suppress them, oppress them, put them in jail, persecute them. But God will be the one who fight for us because he's a warrior and he's the Lord of army. He has all his army in the world, by the way. <laughs> he can use whoever that he likes. Yeah? Next. God is bringing the final consummation of history. He's the one who say the final word. Not us. Not any government. Not any uh, conspiracy on the YouTube. <laughs> Not envy the end time, you know, <laughs> conspiracy. Not this prophet, that prophet. He is the one who say the final word. Because he is bringing the final consummation of history. Next one, that God is purposeful. He never say like, you know, laser fair approach. Like do whatever you want. Just chill. Your light just chill. And, you know, just enjoy. Happy, happy, clappy. You know, if you're a Christian, you pursue happiness. That's okay. You know, there's no such thing. If you believe in Christ, you pursue happiness. Per per happiness, joyful, is a byproduct of pursuing Christ. Okay? So if you pursue happiness, it's the wrong pursuit. Not like the movie, though. Okay? God has a purpose for each of us. And He's purposeful. Yeah? Next. God is merciful and compassion because He knows that we're going to make mistakes. <laughs> we're gonna sin. We're gonna fumble, stumble. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna mess up. That's why mercy new every day, <laughs> not mercy new once a year. That's why he kind of linked the metaphor between the the sunrise and mercy because that's what exactly we need. We need sunlight. We need sunbeam. Uh, we need every day. If without his mercy, we crush, we dead. We'll be in hell because his mercy, he spare us. Through His Son Jesus Christ, He compassionate. Whatever that you struggle right now, He compassionate. He want to know deep and connect deep with you, but you have to open up to Him. Next, God has healed of the sick, and then I just look at uh, you know last last week we got you know uh, Sister Carol here. Just pray for her, and then today she's here. Is the healer of the sick, and praise the Lord. And and you're watching Alan and and Nisa, you know. Pray that, that he heals, uh, you know, uh, uh, cancer there. Back in the Philippines, they, they, they plan to come back maybe the end of the year or something, maybe, is the Lord willing, or next year. Uh, got, I mean, if you're in our church, we hear a lot of, of, of miracles, you know, that God brings healing. You know, healing we don't need to, to, to broadcast on, on YouTube to get, you know, clickbait or, or, or you know, or, or views. We know the Lord is present, and he's the one who heals it. That's good enough. That's good because we know that he, God will always heal the sick. And every one of us, we always from time, from time, from time to time, we have you know, our sickness, our illness, our infirmity. Yeah? So next one will be God as the answering prayer. He answers our prayer because he's not a muted idol. He is a living God. And lastly is God as the one who forgives sin. If he's not the one who forgives sin, no, none of us can forgive each other. <laughs> the reason sometimes we, dif we find it difficult to forgive others because we have not received His forgiveness and never be able to understand how the depth of His forgiveness. Because we think that, oh, we just sin a little, so He forgive a little. 
So that's why the Bible tells us those who sin much, love much, because they understand the depth of His forgiveness. And um, in case some of you say, oh, wow, this is a long list, how can I get it? Well, it's in the book. How many know you that? Sometimes you have the book, but you don't read. It's like the one that who cannot read. Never mind, that's an encouragement. Yeah. So it's in here. So page uh, 27, you can review that. Or it's a soft copy as well online, and you know, though you have hard copy. Right now, the last sharing. I'd like to invite Jung uh, Yu, or also named Esther, to share with us. Morning, church. Um, why is listen from like four of um, like um, others share? I'm still nervous, <laughs> but um, I wanna share what I have learned from James Fry. It's really um, helped me a lot, and um, as I know God and work, have worked with a lot for eight years, every uh, Sunday, I went to church and heard a lot of sermon, um, and of course, I can apply it in my life because after believe God, my life was changed a lot. Um, I was a hot temper person before. Um, when I know God and I learn how to be patient and uh, more um, soft, like not. Um, quick to angry um, and of course I I think I have patience if everyone asks me do you have patience I say uh, yeah I said of course but until last two weeks um, when I I went to um, South Sur insurance office to do fulfill some document and um, but I have to wait for six hours while waiting there, I was really angry and like I started frustrating and complaining like why it take too long to to do it? why people they don't make it faster, something like that and the verse um in James seven pop up in my mind it said, "Be patient, then brother and sister until the Lord's coming." See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. And at that moment, I realized that I have no patience at all. Like, even just a small thing, but I cannot wait even six hours. And at that moment, I started, like, nearly cry already, and I say, sorry, Lord, because... I don't have patience. I'm really impatient at that moment. And um, it uh, recalled me my mom's story. Um, my mom is a farmer, and one day she went to a farm, and suddenly she, um, she uh, stepped on a burned wood stick, and it uh, started her feet. And... Um, It's bleed a lot uh, and painful, but she, she didn't go to see a doctor and try to heal it herself by putting some herbs on it. Uh, two weeks later, the wound was recovered, but it's night inside of her bones is still pain, become black and uh, swollen. 
So me and um, my sister uh, bring her to the hospital to check and have um, an aspirin and saw a stick still stuck in um, the two bone of her feet. So the doctor had to do a small surgery to take it out. But after uh, one week and her um, totally, her feet totally healed. And because of that story, the Lord told me, um, if I want something that happened uh, happen right, right now, the outcome you receive might be the same as my uh, sorry mom. Um, everything that happened in our life must follow a process, and I have learned to be patient in all things, even with all the pain, uh, struggles, brokenness, half and thing, not just one or two parts, but in every areas in my life. Uh, covering our wound doesn't help. If we try to cover it up, it might look all right in the outside, but inside it's swollen, sting, and fester. Instead, we can open it in front of the Lord and ask God for help so he do a small surgery and take time for it to get healed. That's what God wants, for not just for me, but for all of us. Um, this verse is reminded me again and checked my heart. Do I have patience enough to wait for the things which God wants for me? And when something doesn't go the way I want, I have to talk to myself. It must follow a process. God has a better plan than this, so please wait. And um, this is what I have to share. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Esther. You waited for six hours. Uh, I, had, I, I imagine myself one hour, I already got angry. <laughs> and I even cannot wait for my wife to finish her sentence. Uh, you know, it's very convicting, you know. And uh, slow to anger and quick to listen is, is, uh, is ever, you know, um, uh, our endeavor uh, with the Lord's help to really... Uh, to, to, to live surrender because patience is something that, you know, uh, is not natural to us. And I tell you what, you are an expert here. If the local cannot get that patient, I think you're way more because you're living in a foreign country. Everything that will not work the way as, as you, you hope or expect. And I'm just praying for you. I, every, day, every day I'm thinking about you living overseas and some of you cannot smell the smell of nook mum fish sauce. Some of you see the bad traffic and you want to vomit already. Some of you that, you know, really cannot stand the paperwork system here. Some of you can see work in the business, see the corruption and you cannot stand. And some of you that, that really just feel like, you know, I'm tapping out. I just want to go home. I pray for you. That patient is, is it may be something that the Lord will use uh, this country uh, to, to bring it to, to, you know, to you. And some of you direct message me within 24 hours and you expect me to reply instantly. And I tell you, I don't expect that from you, so do not expect from me. If I send you something, I give you three, four, five days, even a week. And so if you send me something, don't say, oh, is that going to work? And then do not do one thing here because I'm triggered. Do never do guilt trip. Guilt trip 
Oh, if I don't answer this, you're this. Call me bad pastor. I don't reply fast. Because I know I'm righteous. Do not do guilt trip. It's not going to work with me. Okay? So I pray that really we have to learn to be, you know, show patience to one another. Traffic lights, folks. You watch. You go there. Red light. 60 seconds. Nobody can wait. Ding, 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 ding. Right? So every time I have a red light, red light. Okay, 60 seconds. Cool down. Cool down. And I, we were some friend, loved one. Like, yeah. <laughs> ah, she reminded me. 60 seconds as the traffic light. That's where and when I met her. So that because I waited 60 seconds. <laughs> oh, thank you for reminding that. Wow, praise the Lord. On that note, uh, I think, you know, this is a summary statement. God is everything we ever need and want. <laughs> Every need and want. And it can only be found in Jesus. You may go this country, that country, this job, that job, relationship, this relationship. You run from places to places. But I tell you, it's just a waste of time unless you and I find everything we need, everything we want in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us just spend uh, at least uh, maybe a minute or two because time is running out. Uh, and I want to put this slide for you. You know, soul need to be saved. Sin will be covered by Jesus. Would you go and tell? Including tell yourself, tell others. Let us just have a couple of minutes for our personal reflection.
Lord Jesus, we know in our head that you are good, good Father. But it will take a family to know that how good you are to this family. We'll take some prodigal sons and daughters and son, some sons and daughters being religiously right at home and feel that the prodigal son is so lost and why they deserve your goodness. We all here are wanderers. Some of us probably this is not the first country out of their own birthplace. They've been from places to places. And Lord, I pray that this for a short period of time in the Ho Chi Minh City, as much as temporal compared to the eternity, may this period of time, though they be grounded in your word, renew the relationship, rekindle the love of Christ. Rekindle the passion of a great commission that to bring someone back to you. We don't have to become a missionary that go into the jungle. We can go to the jungle of all the buildings and blocks, all the traffic, and seemingly live a Christ-like manner. In the bad traffic, in the bad paperwork, in the bad system, even in a broken relationship, we wander away from truth if someone if someone can bring them back the soul can be saved the sin will be covered each of us was brought back here by someone by someone who took the risk took the inconvenience to share the good news with us it could be our uncle it could be our parents it could be our teachers, could be our colleague, could be someone that you use. You use multi, multitude of people. It's like a net. That's why we need to be netted, interwoven, join in to bring some wanderer in this city. It could be our bosses. It could be our colleague, friends, neighbor. Even loved ones back home, we have the technology to zoom back to do online meetings. May us be the agent, the ambassador of Christ. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us. Thank you for saving our soul. Thank you for covering a multitude of our sins. And yet we're going to do the same to bring others back to you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your constant love, your steadfast love that endure forever. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. We pray that you and your family are encouraged by this message. Join us next time and do click the follow button on our profile page to stay up to date with the latest message. God bless you.